And uh, I, I love this time of year knowing that it is, it is Christmas. It's a beautiful time of the year. We know that. Uh, we have been over the last two years shrouded or clouded by all the goings on of the world, all of the things that we are, that, that cause concern. Um, and of course, I began to, to just think about the fact that uh, the book of Isaiah is such a powerful prophetic book. I uh, read part of it this morning, and in fact, earlier in that same passage in Isaiah chapter 9, we're not going to go there, just hang on with me for a second, but earlier in the chapter, chapter 9, a prophetic uh, word, messianic prophecy about Jesus is that the people in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, in the, the area of Galilee, have seen a great light. And I want to tell you that, and in fact, I'd like you to go in your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 2. Uh, this is usually the passage that we read on Christmas morning with, our, with the family. As we uh, gather around the tree, we read this particular account of the birth of Jesus. Uh, and I, I, I want to go there this morning, not to focus on the first part of that, but also but to focus on the last part of this passage and the last part of Luke's account of the birth of Jesus because there is a light of the world that we need to have. And so much of what's going on in our world today is the report of the enemy. If you listen to the news, you say, but I've got to stay informed. I, I understand that. We all have to stay informed. We're all informed by many different voices around us and many different things. And I'm not saying that you discard those. I'm not saying that you set those aside for any particular reason. I'm simply saying to you today that the one voice that has to be the loudest in your life has to be the report of the Lord. Isaiah said, whose report will you believe? Are you going to believe the report of the Lord or are you going to believe somebody else's report? And I want to tell you, we, we are, I realize that we have, we have come through in 2020, the elections and everything that surrounded that and all of the, the negativity. And there's, always, there's been negativity. Interestingly, uh, I, I, there was an article that I, I can't remember when it was. It was from the, right around the turn of the, 19th, or the 20th century, so 1900, early 1900s. And it was an article about uh, the political parties. And it was somehow they managed to put aside their differences and come up with some type of a solution. That's no different than it is today. It's been around a long time. We need to not worry so much about that, but instead to put our eyes and our minds on the Lord and what he is able to do. Because in the middle of darkness, in the middle of pain, in the middle of suffering, in the middle of political unrest, Jesus entered the scene. He came into the world on that particular day with no amount of fanfare to the religious crowd, but he came to another group of people, and I love this. I want to start reading at verse 1. The Bible says this, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, 
to, uh, from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room for them or available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared in the, with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I want to back up to verse 8 and just kind of we'll start there and just, just briefly go through this passage of Scripture because in the end we know the Christmas story. We understand that Joseph and Mary had to, they had to migrate at least briefly to the town of Bethlehem. They had to go there to register for the most part. Registration meant that you were just going to be taxed. It was for the purpose of taxes and also for the purpose of, uh, of the Roman government figuring out how, how big their military could potentially be and how big it was. So they had to go to Bethlehem because he was of the house and line of David. This was not just because of a particular thing, but God used this event in history to fulfill prophecy. You see, one of the most important things about Jesus and the beginning of his life here on earth was that it had to be founded in prophecy of the Old Testament. In fact, Micah, in the book of Micah, it lets us know that, that Bethlehem was going to be the place out of Bethlehem. In fact, you will go if you, you can take time to read it later on in Matthew chapter 2 when, when the three wise men, we assume there were three of them because of the three gifts, but when the wise men came looking for Jesus, they went to Herod the king, probably not the sharpest group, when it comes to common sense, they were intellectual individuals, but to show up at the king's, at king's door and say, hey, there's been a king born, 
Probably not the best thing to do, but they did. And, and, and what it was, and when, when uh, Herod got upset and frustrated, he called all of the scribes and the religious leaders together and said, where's this, this king, this Messiah supposed to be born? All of them knew it was Bethlehem. They all searched the scripture and said, according to Micah, it is going to be in Bethlehem. So it was the fulfillment of prophecy that Jesus would come into this world in Bethlehem, that he would be born there. But just outside of the city limits of Bethlehem, a very tiny, small, probably more of a town than a city, there were shepherds out in the fields. Now these shepherds, a lot of different commentators have different ideas of what kind of a group of people these were. Some will say they were untrustworthy individuals. They were uh, kind of, eventually they became thieves. Well, one, one commentator actually says during the time that Jesus came on the scene, they were actually revered individuals. They were individuals who were tending the flocks for the sacrifices that would take place in the temple. So these were individuals who were, in fact, at that time trustworthy and that later on that it would come that they would be some one of the lower group of individuals, the criminals of the crowd, they would, they would be that type of a person. So we've got two different opposing views, but the point is simple. It doesn't matter what their background is. It doesn't matter what their heart situation is, is that what God decided to do was to reveal to that particular group of people that he had a plan for mankind, that he had a plan and a purpose, and that he was going to send somebody to them to be able to rescue them. Now, how do we know that? We know that simply not only by the encounter, and the encounter is simply this, that they were out in the fields and they were keeping watch over their flocks at night. It is in the darkest of night that the light shines the brightest. It is the darkest of night that the light from heaven will come through. It's no, I don't think it's any kind of an accident that, that, that the angel appeared to them in the middle of the night. This bright light comes right in the middle of night. It is in the nighttime hour that your light will shine the brightest. If you've got the light of the world on the inside of you, I want to tell you it's in the middle of the nighttime hour of somebody's life that that light is going to shine the brightest to them. You see, we have a responsibility much the same as what these these shepherds recognized that they had, and they're actually going to do something about it later on in this passage of Scripture. But this, this bright light come, this angel appears to them at night. They're out there living in the fields. The Bible says they lived there. They were out, some of them probably sleeping, somebody taking at different watches of the night. A watch was a three-hour period in the night that they would just kind of take and one would stay up and stay awake. The others would get some rest and then they would rotate and take watches to keep watch over the flocks that more than likely would have been designated for temple worship, not realizing that there was going to be one lamb of God who was going to wipe all of that necessity out. One lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. But the Bible says this. It says in verse 10, it says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Notice this. There was always 
and a, 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 if somebody had an angelic encounter or an, an encounter with the divine at that time, the idea or the understanding was they were going to die. It goes all the way back into the Old Testament. We see that when it comes to uh, Samson and his announce, the announcement of his birth to the parents. The parents said, we're going to die. And no, you're not going to die. Same thing here. Don't be afraid. God's word to us as believers is do not be afraid. The world says be afraid. Be very afraid. Why? Because there is no hope in the world. There is no hope beyond the short period of time that you and I have to live. There is no hope beyond anything else according to the wor world. But according to the word of God, there is always hope there is an eternal hope and therefore we do not have to fear what they fear in the world so often we get so pent up with fear and discouragement and anxiety because of all the negative reports and all the things we hear part of the problem is is we spend less time here and more time on media whatever kind of media we spend and we get that into our hearts and our minds and it just churns up all kinds of nonsense sense in us but I want to tell you that he comes with a message to the common ordinary person and says don't be afraid don't be afraid do not be afraid he says I bring you good news the one thing the world needs so so much right now is good news and the only good news there is is in Jesus Christ the only good news that we have is in him if you're trying to find good news somewhere else you're not going to find it if you find it or try to find it in some group that pops up in some cause that pops up you're not going to find it if you have pushed jesus christ to the side and said jesus you know what it's just not working for me right now it's just not, just not happening for me right now. i got to go try something else. I want to tell you that, you, first of all, you're not putting any effort into the relationship with him, but you're putting an effort into something that will go by the wayside faster than it came on the scene. It will not ever satisfy the longing of your soul. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ came into this world so that you and I could be free from sin, first and foremost, but also we could have the hope of eternal life with him. Him. There isn't anybody else who can promise that. Not one person, not one group, not one government, not one anything. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ is the only one. You say, Pastor, you're preaching to the choir today. Am I, am I really? When it all comes down to it, even believers go through this dark, dark moment in our lives where we kind of feel like maybe there's something else. No, there isn't. There is absolutely nothing else. In the words of the Apostle Peter, he said, who else are we going to go to, Jesus? Who else has the words? to eternal life you're the only one I want us to move on the Bible says this in verse 11 this is important this verse today in the town of David that is in fulfillment of prophecy notice the angels do not refer to Jesus by name they don't call him Jesus it had been announced to Joseph, you will call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Matthew chapter 1 records that for us. You will call him Jesus. Jesus meaning deliverer, savior. 
But they refer to him, the angel refers to him by three titles. And it is this. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. First and foremost, out of any title that is necessary for this one who has come to the world, it is savior. Why? Because sin entered the world in the very beginning. And as a result of that, we need a savior. Most of the people at that time were living in somewhat of an expectation of the Messiah, some belief that there was going to be a Messiah, the next term that we see here in a moment, but they did not recognize that even this Messiah had to be a savior, that he would be a savior who would rescue them from sin. Most of them said, well, now we have Roman occupation." You look at the history going back uh, into the Old Testament. You look at the history of Israel. And for, for many of them, up, up to the northern kingdom, they split off into two kingdoms. And at a certain point, the northern kingdom, ten tribes of Israel, went off into a Syrian captivity. Long before the south went into Babylonian captivity. From that time on, there was always somebody else who was in charge. There was a brief, brief period of time right during what is called the 400 silent years. We call them the silent years because there were no prophetic utterances from the end of Malachi to the time of Christ. And during that period of time, there was a brief period of time during this, this Maccabean period, as they say, as, as they call it, because the Maccabees were in charge. It was the time that out of, out of that period of time where the, the celebration of Hanukkah comes, it was that short period of time, just a small period, in which they were not occupied or controlled by a foreign army. And after that, the Romans marched in and they took over. All of the expectation was we're looking for a Messiah. Messiah meaning Christ or anointed one. We're looking for that one, but they weren't looking for a savior from their sin. They were looking for a savior of their political problems. And yet Jesus didn't come into the world to save us from political problems. He came into the world to save us from sin. I don't care what kind of politics you, you uh, espouse, and I don't, it doesn't really matter to me. What matters most is we understand the world is in need of a Savior and Savior from sin, not Savior from Washington, not Savior from whatever president you don't like. You, uh, brothers and sisters, we have people People all around us each and every day who need a savior because they are they are drowning in their sin so they use these three titles the the angel says there is a savior he is the Messiah or the Christ the anointed one he is a deliverer he is the one that you have been expecting the one that you're looking for they would have understood this concept of a Messiah because it was somewhat of a common feeling at that time that that understanding there's got to be somebody to bring help he is the Lord that elevates him to the place of deity this particular title says he's no ordinary Messiah. He's no Messiah like what you think, but instead he is deity. He is the Lord. And the Bible goes on and says, this will be assigned to you in verse 12. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. 
And then suddenly, the Bible says, a company of the heavenly host appeared and the angel praising God and saying, we sang it this morning, Gloria in excelsis Deo. That is the Latin, essentially the Latin translation of glory to God in the highest heaven on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. You see, this Messiah, this Lord, this Savior wants to bring peace to your life. And the, the wonderful picture of this, this idea of favor, is that of grace coming to you. That grace that comes to you, though you don't deserve it, we don't deserve it. We get it anyway. And he will allow his peace to rest on us. Now listen, let's jump down to verse 16. The Bible says, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Next thing I want you to see is in verse 17. After they had seen this, the Bible says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Stop right there for a minute. There is an order to how we are able to share the good news. You cannot share what you have not seen. I'm not talking physically. I'm talking spiritually, by faith. God has shown you things by faith. Those are the things you can share. If you have not come to that place in your own life where you know you need that relationship that is consistent with him, then now is the time. Today is the day to see him. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I want to tell you today that you have to see him. We cannot share what we cannot see. We can't share with others what we have not tasted ourselves. It's impossible for us. And sometimes for those of us who've grown up in church, we, we sometimes are the most difficult bunch to get this through to our heads simply because we think, well, just because we grew up there, that's enough. No, it's not. You have to experience him for yourself. They went in and they saw, and they saw what was, what was the, the sign. The sign was he's going to be lying in a manger. It wasn't a sign that he was going to be a baby wrapped in cloths. That's what they did when babies were born. They wrapped them nice and tight, just super tight like a little sausage. But this baby was not laying in the mother's arms, wasn't laying anywhere else, wasn't laying in a nice comfy little a little bassinet, this baby was laying in a feeding trough for animals. That was the sign they knew this is the one. This is the one. And in that moment, they recognized this is the good news that we have been waiting for. This is the Savior. This is the Messiah. This is the Lord. And here's what these shepherds did. They saw and then they shared. And for all of us, we have to see and then share. If we see and don't share, then what good is that? We, we think, well, that's going to get me to heaven. No, 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 no. Listen, we have to have works that accompany faith. That faith is carried out by works. It's not just, I believe, I believe, let me believe, but do nothing about it. They did something about their faith. They saw and then they shared. They told others what had happened to them out in the fields and how it had been revealed to them what this little boy would be, what this little baby was going to be. You see, this was the beginning of something great. This wasn't the sum total. We know that. 
In fact, you would have to, I don't have time to get into it. Luke records all kinds of good stuff for us. Things that other gospel writers don't. The encounter with Simeon in the temple and Anna in the temple. And what it was that they said about this little one. And how it was that they both recognized this ordinary little baby boy. We, we often think about the baby as having some kind of halo and some kind of glow and all of that. That's an artist's conception. It's not true. Looks like any other ordinary baby, baby going into the temple eight days according to what the law said needed to happen. And yet there Simeon, as soon as he saw him, this is the one, took the baby in his arms and prophetically said something and prayed to the Lord, thanking God, you can take me now, Lord, he said. Essentially, that's, that's what his prayer was. He was an older man, an elderly man. He said, now, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit revealed to this man that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. What a powerful thing. And yet in this moment, these shepherds, ordinary as they were, if they were thieves, I can almost guarantee you they weren't thieves anymore. They weren't going to be individuals who were going to go out and do the same thing that they used to do. In fact, the Bible says this, and we're going to just jump down toward the end of this. The Bible says this in verse 20. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told the one thing that was confirmed to them was the word of the Lord was true in that moment the angel said here's what here's a word from heaven go and take a look and in their hearts they went and looked and they saw and they realized it is just as I have been told if there is anything that we need to recognize, first of all, it is that we need to get into the word of God more and more and recognize that it will be just as he has said. There is no word. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. God's word will stand forever. You think about it. This, this collection of 66 books, has, has changed mankind for centuries. The encounter that people have had with, with Jesus Christ as a result of it, it is the most read book in all of history, human history. The manuscripts of this numbers into the thousands, the tens of thousands. And yet the manuscripts for the Iliad and Homer's Odyssey, it's a few hundred mainly, but we attribute it to him. I want to tell you, this is a divine book. This is a book to be read like no other book because in it you find this one that you can encounter that will change not only your own life, but the life of somebody else who needs to know him. I want to tell you, you and I live around hurting and broken people. You say, Pastor, I might be one of those broken people. You know, I've found that as human as we are, and our humanity often comes out day after day. We need Jesus more and more and more each and every day. Yes, we're pressing on to perfection, but how many know we haven't arrived yet? We sure haven't. We need a fresh encounter with him day after day, time after time. 
as human as we might be, I want to tell you there are others who are going through dark moments in their lives where they don't know what the answer is. You and I have the answer. These shepherds, they were out in the fields, lived there, and encountered the divine. And I find it interesting that God decided to reveal it to a group of shepherds. Let's just say they were ordinary, everyday men. Let's just say that somewhere along the way that it wasn't until later, and one commentator believes that the, the idea of them being sort of a sordid group didn't come until later centuries because right now they had a divine you know, responsibility of taking care of sheep that would be used in temple sacrifice. So maybe they were elevated a little bit, and if that was the case, the interesting thing that I find to, at least to be interesting is God did not reveal it to the religious leaders in the temple. He revealed it to ordinary, everyday, average people. Why? Because it, because it is those individuals who need him. You and I need him. We need him more and more. And the Bible says that they returned glorifying God. That is, praise was on their lips. They had encountered what God had promised. And now they had no other, other responsibility than to just praise and to worship God for what they had seen and they had heard. And I want to tell you, each and every day we go through our lives and so often we get, we get weighed down by the problems and the difficulties that we encounter and we forget to praise God. We forget to worship God. And we assume that it has to be related to feelings. No, it doesn't have to be related to feelings. In fact, you can praise God in the depths of your despair. You think about Paul and Silas when they were put in that Philippian jail. They were there they they were not feeling good by the way they had been beaten they had been whipped and flogged their backs were bare they had wounds open wounds and what were they doing at midnight in stocks the most uncomfortable position that you could be in in this prison and the bible says they began to sing and they began to praise in the middle of their trouble and what happened a breakthrough came in that moment that jail flung open and the doors there was an earthquake and the doors opened up and their stocks were were taken off them and they were freed in that moment why because they chose to praise God and to worship him in the middle of their darkest moment I want to tell you because the light came to their heart in their darkest hour let's stand to our feet hallelujah Lord I thank you today there is no one like you Jesus I thank you today, Lord, that your word shows us who you are. It shows us how desperately we need you, O oh God. And I pray, Lord, for each and every person in this place today that you would come down and you would minister to them, O oh God, and you would strengthen them and you would help them. Heavenly Father, we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would have your way in their lives. I ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that, Lord God, we would encounter you anew and afresh, O oh Lord, in this Christmas season, O oh God, that we would give you first place in our lives and in our hearts, O oh God. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person in this room right now, for those, O oh God, that have been suffering and they feel the need for you in their lives. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would come down and you would move in their hearts and their lives once and for all.
I pray, Lord, right now that they would invite you once again to have free reign in their hearts, to have first place. I pray, Lord, that we would elevate you to that number one position, not that number two or three, but God, I pray that you would have first place in our hearts and in our minds. God, I pray for your people as they go to their jobs this week, as they deal with life, ordinary, everyday life this week, I pray that they would go out rejoicing, that they would go out knowing that they have the good news, that they would glorify you, O God, the same as these shepherds did. And Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that your hand of mercy and grace would be upon them. Father, I thank you today. We love you and we give you all the glory and we give you the praise in the wonderful and the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said together, amen and amen. I want you to uh, today, it, it, and again, this, this is uh, a gift to you, uh, one per family. Uh, right now, don't say, well, I'd like to take it for this person or that person. Let's not do that just yet. Uh, we'll, we'll see how we can get it to this person.